welcome to June Millington and Friends, a podcast about music, why we do it, how we do it, the magical and spiritual aspects of writing and reaching deep inside ourselves. So dive deep with us. It's sponsored by the Institute for the Musical Arts, and if you'd like to support our efforts, please go to www.ima.org and click on any donate button. Thank you. Erin McKeown. Hi, June. Oh, I've been looking forward to doing this, having a nice chat with you. We've been talking about this for a long time. Getting into it. Well, speaking of getting into, can I just start with where you were born and where you were raised? Because I have this feeling that that actually influences all of us in terms of our influences and what we listen to. I'm going to remember that we're doing this for people who don't know each other, Mm -hmm. because I do have this feeling of... You must know this about me, <laughs> so why am I telling you? But I'll, I want to remember that this is for the archive. That's right. And this is for people that haven't spent 15 years uh, being friends. Yeah. Um, I was born in Boston. Uh, my dad was in school getting uh, a master's in Boston the year that I was born. And before I was a year old, my parents moved back to Virginia where they made their home and where I grew up in the same room in the same house till I went to college. So Virginia, is that the South? I'm from the Philippines, so I'm actually not sure. This is such a fun discussion. Uh I think it is. Okay. Some people will say Virginia is mid-Atlantic. There are parts of Virginia that feel more Southern than others, but um, Fredericksburg, especially when I was growing up there was not, it was where DC ended. And Virginia began. It was okay. where the South began. And now these days it's tied more into the D.C. mess that starts with D.C. and continues all the way up to Boston, that sort of East Coast corridor. Well, how did the Southern ethos then influence you as a person? Did it? Yeah, it did because my parents are not from the South. My mother's from Connecticut. My father's from Pennsylvania. So they moved to Fredericksburg for a job that my dad got. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to fit in. Were they seen as outsiders? Absolutely. Did you feel like an outsider? Um, I did for other reasons, yeah. but my parents, I would say my mom especially, performed and learned a version of Southern yeah. hospitality and culture that helped her fit in. And I, I think that it wasn't oppressive to her. She wanted that. She wanted to be part of it. She wanted to be part of that society. And, and, mm-hmm. um, and so I grew up with those manners and with those traditions, um, not because they were hundreds of years in my family, but because my parents recognized that those were the things that helped you fit in. You know, because I I feel like a lot of musicians, especially songwriters, have an outsider sense that helps to observe what's going on and then write about them. Um, I notice you in particular write vignettes as entire songs. Yeah, I like I like a, a small detail. <laughs> that's what that's what I like. I like most. a small detail. Yeah, I like yeah. I like taking a small detail and um, honing in on honing in on that uh, songs that are about small things, about small moments, um, and expanding them. I mean, it's why I like the clarity of poetry. I think the thing I've had to learn as a songwriter is to think bigger. Actually, to try. So you're always that way. Did you always 
notice something and then make up a story. You see a leaf on the ground and yeah, you make up always. a story about how that leaf fell. Always some kind of story. I was always writing things. I spent a lot of time outside alone uh, in the mm-hmm. woods. I would say my outsider status came from, um, I didn't have the language for it at the time, but gender for sure. Like what kind of girl was I? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we have that framework for tomboys, of course. Yes. Uh, certainly was that. And then when you grow out of that framework, you really start to feel trouble around your gender. I just didn't have words for it. So I would say outsider in that way. Um, I certainly was an outsider in my family also just in, in being like a creative person, a creative mind and kind of a maker. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't come from a family that, that does that. Okay. Um, so that would make me feel a bit of an outsider. And like I said, I observed this performance of the South um, in this way that was different than my richer more traditionally family stretching back Southern friends that I went to school with or the Southern institutions in, in our little town. Um, we were also Catholic, Mm. which is, um, you Mm. know, in a town like Fredericksburg with Fredericksburg history, that's outsider to be Catholic. Were you kidded about it or were you? Not that uh, I remember. No, not that I remember. It was all right. Yeah. Yeah. It was all Uh that, that stuff was all all right, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't, you know, I remember there was, um, uh, a country club. We weren't, we were not members of it. We were members of a different swimming pool. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, we went to the Catholic church. We did not go to the Episcopal church. Um, those kind of things, um, never overt. Um, but ways that I, I felt different than I found people to feel different than with though. I had a great group of friends (laughs) in high school. We were all creative. We're all making music. I had a high school band. Um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the Svelts, but it was, you know, I had a high school band and, um, uh, what's different for me is that I, I didn't, I didn't know that I could start a band or lead a band, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I joined my boyfriend's band (laughs) in 10th grade. Well, let me back up just a little bit. I want to get to your boyfriend's band for sure. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds juicy, but, um, is there a moment that you can remember when you either heard something or you felt something go through you? Of course, I'm talking about music, the vibration of everything. Is there a moment where you felt that and all of a sudden you knew you were complete? I don't know that I knew that I was complete because I, I didn't understand what it I didn't. I didn't know that I was incomplete. Okay. You know? Were you incomplete? For I mean, sure. everybody Absolutely. is, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you find something. Yeah, or then someone. you find something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I can think of two things. I went to a summer camp that was really important to me, like a science summer camp. But at that science summer camp is where I learned to play guitar, and it's mm. where I performed for the first time and playing how old guitar. Were you? Um, I started playing when I was twelve. I went to that summer camp from when I was. 11 to when I was 18, you know? And so at that camp, um, I was known as the person that played, I know I was known as the person that played music. I was the person everyone went to when they wanted to have someone play with them at the talent show, you know, after dinner, the camp counselors would sit on their, their little stoop and, and play songs and I would get my guitar and play with them. And, um, the other moment I can remember. So, so those moments of singing and playing guitar at camp Mm -hmm. felt that thing where you're asking about locking in of like, mm, like this is what I'm warmth, supposed to do. There's a feeling of yeah, you this is a path that that's thing, yeah. open to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is really you'll appreciate this, but um, I was maybe I had been playing guitar for a couple of years, and I was watching some documentary about the Beatles or something mm-hmm. like that that was on TV, and there was some 
moment, um, some, some moment in it, some song where John Lennon started singing and I'd never paid attention to John Lennon before that moment, but there was mm-hmm. something about him and who he was at that moment in my life that something clicked for me and whatever it was that he represented, which I look back on now and I think of like, he's mischievous, right? He has such a, like a mischievous jester, pokey personality. Um, he wrote, uh, songs that, that engaged in politics. Um, he was a a front man, but, um, uh, did it, did it kind of like cool, casual way, you know? And there was something about me watching him in that moment that, also click something into place for me. Like, yeah. oh, I could He I could also do that. wrote little vignettes. Like, I was singing to myself the other day, one of the early songs that we fell in love with when we were starting the spells, and that was No Reply. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a story of, well, really stalking in a way, but not. <laughs> I don't you know, know that song. Oh. I'll have to check it out. Uh, no reply. Gun, 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 gun. They know, said it, it wasn't you. Something. I could That's totally a see a song yeah. that I would write. Yeah, so it's it's just a little story. For some reason, when John was singing No Reply and we were like 16, it made a lot of sense because the idea is his girlfriend lied. I think she said either she was home or she wasn't home when he goes by the house and the light is either on or off. And there's no reply. But the way he sings No Reply is like, I got the whole thing right there. It's that anguished cry. I wouldn't even have listened to music that carefully at that time in my life. Uh-huh. I would have mm-hmm. felt the way he sang it. I would have nerded out on the chords. You know <laughs> yes, what I mean? Yes, yes. Um, and I would have, yeah, I would have felt the whole feeling of the whole thing right. would have been what drew me to a song. But I didn't think about it carefully yeah, at that I time. Think, I think as I'm sitting here looking in your eyes and talking to you, I'm realizing that music gave me permission to show my passion just a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. I was uh, shut down and pretty afraid of the world because of racism. That's the first thing that came up that scared the heck out of me, besides World War II, into which I was born into the PTSD just mm-hmm. after. Therefore, I'm uh, hypervigilant. And music calmed everything down. And the guitar in particular, once I got that in my hands, there was just something about the wood and the shape and the tonality and of it vibrating right into my belly and my heart. Did you play, I think I remember you telling me that you, maybe as kids you had ukuleles. Ukuleles, that's right. But I I played piano as a kid and Ah. and I didn't have that, my experience with the guitar was very similar to yours. Like something about the first time I picked up a guitar and played it and started, it it was the first music that became a tool for me, both for healing and for expression. I feel the same way, like, like my songs you know, allowed me to be marginally more expressive than I felt I could be. For me, it was different mm-hmm. reasons, but, um, but similar, like I could not take up space, you know, and the guitar helped me take up some more space and the feeling of the guitar, just like you're saying, I totally relate to that, but the piano never did that for me. So with the piano, you learned it as, I'm just going to say a tool. I learned it as a lesson. I learned it okay. as an activity that, um, you know, a middle-class kid, was supposed to know how to do, you know, you're supposed to be well-rounded. So you take a piano lesson and you play a sport and you do, you know, and I, and I, I love sports. I mean, I'm yeah, super sporty, okay. but, um, yeah, no, the piano was, um, 
You know, I took lessons to learn to read music, uh, not very well. Well, you sure call on it now really well, especially when... <laughs> now uh, I use it. Yeah, now yeah, I use it do. expressively and, and as a, a channel for expression. But, but, but I didn't know how to do that growing up. I didn't know that till I picked up a guitar. Okay. And then I picked up a guitar and then I immediately was writing songs. And well, having that so feeling, mobile, you could write it. I know, uh, right under a tree or anywhere. I mean, anywhere. Yeah. And then when I, you know, got into high school and I really got into the guitar, I just took it with me everywhere. I tried. I'm sure you do the same thing. But when I talk to young people about this, it's like, if you're not, if you are not playing the guitar any moment that you can in your tween, teen, and early twenties, like you're not going to get to that level that you want to get to. Like you, you have to put the hours in then yeah. because where else are you ever going to find those hours again and that focus and that chance. And the only reason I'm a, a good guitar player now is because of the thousands of hours that I spent as a teenager. So what were, were the steps in those thousands of hours? Did you start off with somebody just showing you a few chords? I had friends. I had these camp counselors who showed me things. Then I got a book from the library that had simple folk songs in it. And then um, I had friends that I that also played guitar, and we just would sit around, you know, the way that other kids go to the mall. We would <laughs> sit around with our guitars. You the know? mall was, your guitar was the mall. <laughs> yeah, it was. And, um, and then I had a few lessons when I was probably 13 or 14, but I had a teacher who... He recognized that I'm not, I don't know exactly what he recognized, but he definitely recognized that I wasn't going to practice what he gave me. So every week he just gave me piles of new things because he, I think he knew I would eventually get to it. And the things that he taught me in those lessons for probably five or six years afterwards, I would go back and, and, and then work on. You know what I mean? Yeah. He showed me chord theory. He showed me lead. He showed me rhythm guitar. Oh, he playing. did show you lead. He showed okay. me all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, in the content, you know, fingering charts and mm -hmm. um, how to think about soloing and all that stuff. And I couldn't do any mm -hmm. of it at the time. And we would just move on week to week. And then later I would pull out those pieces of paper that he gave me. And I'd be like, oh, that's a pentatonic scale. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and um, yeah. But then after that, I got a four track player. So were you writing before you got the four track player? Yes, I was writing from almost how the minute soon? I got a guitar. Uh, okay. Almost immediately. I do. What is the first song you remember? Okay. Well, I do. Yeah, it was, um, there were some camp counselors who were, um, after camp was over, they were going up to some place in Quebec to like protest a dam that was being blown up or built. I can't remember. And the Indigo girls were somehow involved. And so I wrote them a protest song for the river. <laughs> can I hear any of it? I can only remember a verse of it. I recently played it for someone else because I could only remember a verse of it. But, but um, no, it was written from the perspective of the river. And it was like, don't damn me. That's what it was. They, they were like Hydro Quebec was going to be like trying to create like a power plant on a river, and it was of course going to flood everything behind it and cause all the damage that rivers, that dams cause rivers. And um, yeah, and it was a part of it was a rip off of a U two song, and part of it was like you know probably a rip off from the Indigo Girls. That's what I was listening to at the time. But that was the first song. And then I got a four track, and then you know how it is. You could play it oh. with yourself. You play oh. along with yourself, and you—that's how you learn, and that's now how you, you're zipping. Yeah, uh, then between you, worlds, really. yeah. And I, I would recreate worlds. Beatles songs. Yeah. I would recreate Liz Fair songs. I would also be making my own songs. Yeah. Um, and that was that first time I remember where you look up and five hours have passed. Yeah, you know, you're so in it. I remember that in high school, being in 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 the 
basement rec room where I had my four track set up. I closed the door and work on it. And then five hours later, but it felt like nothing because it was so That's deep in the creative time, process. Isn't it? Just yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Huh? Um, so should we get back to your boyfriend's band? <laughs> <laughs> my boyfriend. Um, let's see. I had two different boyfriends that w let's see the, the one played guitar and he played, um, a strat. He's a left-handed strat player, but he was like the, he looked like the whitest white boy you could imagine. He was like really skinny with like a very like trim haircut. And he wore like Oxford shirts and like saddle shoes and like high, high waisted corduroys and had this like Beatles esque haircut and these tiny little glasses. And he was so funky. Like he was so funky and the music he was listening to was so funky. And, um, his band was like a power trio, right? So my friend Nick that I had known since kindergarten was playing bass and this other kid who was a few years younger was playing drums and they were doing like basically recreating. They were they were playing Cream songs like note for note. They were playing mm -hmm. Jimi Hendrix Experience songs mm -hmm. note for note. They were playing Stevie Ray Vaughan note for note. Those are all trio. Did they play Green Onions? Yes, for sure. That's pretty funky. I mean, yeah. yeah, it was super funky and it was super complicated. And um, and my boyfriend was a savant in this way. He he really, I mean, he'd been playing for a long time, but he had the ability to get that tone and he had the mm -hmm. ability to play all those licks like note for note. And then I came along and was like, you know, I'm going to join the band, but that music doesn't have a fourth part. But wait, you were going to join the band on the basis of what? <laughs> that you were his friend or girlfriend? I or? was playing guitar at the time, okay. and he and I, when we okay. would hang out, the two of us would play. I mean, okay, he, so yeah, you he, knew you are playing, and everybody Yeah, said, and yeah. he taught okay. me, um, I'll never forget, he taught me, you know, how to play Blackbird on the acoustic guitar in the exact way that it's played on the record. Yeah. And I'd never seen a guitar part like that before those big wide tenths that move all the way up the neck like that you know he opened up the guitar neck for me so you know he knew i could play and we would jam the two of us so i started going to the band jams and there's no there's no fourth guitar in um you know what i mean in that stevie ray vaughn music yeah. in that cream music and so i was literally standing off to the side kind of making up rhythm guitar parts to what is essentially this power trio music um i think a few All My Brothers songs got added, some Neil Young songs, which of course... Well, how did that feel then, creating a fourth part for which there was really not a space, but you, you did it? I mean, it. it was good for me. Okay. You know, it was good for okay. me, but of course I think that it was um, uh, something I, I think that like many female guitar players might struggle with, which is just like, we don't have a model, mm -hmm. right? Am I doing this right? Mm -hmm. Am I doing this right? Do I sound good? Does anyone care? Can anyone see me? The part I like about your story is that even in your standing there, you could feel what was going on with that music and understand in the funk composition, strat sound way. Well, what is what that fourth going guitar going to do? That fourth guitar is going to bridge the gap between yeah. the drums and the lead guitar. So, uh -huh. right, so I learned a rhythm style that was super percussive so you began to understand that internally and think of it think of it the way that you would think as a producer you mm -hmm. know i think that i think that having um having a four track growing up and having been yeah. that like fourth wheel on the tricycle teaches you ha how to find parts as opposed to yeah. just like yeah. play along mm -hmm. you know and i think that was important for my guitar that's playing. one thing i like about noticing how your mind works in your compositions in your productions there um you definitely have a funky sound 
that I love. I love rhythm, always. Yeah. But there's also a cleanness to your approach to whatever you add on to something. It's not just, well, I think we should play something or make a noise or whatever. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I, I don't know where that comes from, except that I, it must be just like some version of just what sounds good to me, because mm -hmm. I would say that um, that's my favorite compliment about anything I do is when someone says, what you're doing is clean and has clarity. Uh -huh. um, and it's the thing that people say by far the most when oh, they... Oh, really? When okay. they... I thought I was the only one who noticed No, 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 <laughs> no, because you have great ears. When musicians yeah. and other creative people have reflected upon my music, that's yeah. the thing that they, they point to. Yeah. Um, and... You know, of course, I can also feel shame about that. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, what I'm doing is not complicated enough. What I'm doing oh, really? is not. I never thought that you might have a. Say. Oh, for are sure. You, are you using that word shame uh, actually as as uh, you know intentional? Is that's exactly what it means? About yes. How you feel? Absolutely. That is so interesting. Yeah, I would. I would say that mm. that. Um, it's not surprising to me that those are the, the two things. Like I appreciate this, this I'm appreciating going for a clarity and a simplicity. And at the same time, I can feel that that's like, yeah, but the really cool thing about whatever it is that you execute is it's full. I never feel like, gee, I think she should have put a little, <laughs> I don't know what in there, yeah. you know, because well, there's plenty yeah. of I mean, ear I'm candy. Being that's totally honest, sure. like my yeah. uh, deepest insecurities about the, the music that I make, um, and and this is not new. This is starting in this era that we're talking about. Is that it's um, not technically flashy enough. It's not, um, uh, you know, you, if you're standing next to someone who is is playing a lead guitar solo that has five million fucking notes. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it's really hard. I do. Know yes, what you mean. I know. Because how many people have you stood next to that do that? And then and then you. Countless. Yes, and 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 I would say almost always dudes. Yeah. Almost always yeah. dudes. Not always, yeah. all, but almost always. And there's a way yeah. that I took on a uh, shame around mm -hmm. that of like I, I just don't play that many notes. Yeah. You know, and and we can have we we can spiritually say. No, no, it's actually better for clarity and simplicity or spiritually. No, you know what? It just distills down to this. You're saying something. And that's and, the thing about a yeah. lot of notes. You know, my sister Jean and I, as we were learning how to do this electric thing, you know, and we had to learn it ourselves. Um, no one was going to teach us. And one thing that uh, we finally got to, Jean would just look at me and go, doodling. <laughs> you know, right. and, and might might be the type of thing that would sound great to a lot of people. Wow, that's a lot of notes, and it sounds like it really, you know, belongs and works and everything. But we're like, that's just it's not saying anything. Not saying anything. Yeah. So that's really what I look for personally, um, and also probably similarly to you. At some point, I had to put my shame aside, mm -hmm. or my actually would be more like humiliation because that's what I would feel in terms of the racism I encountered, there was just a built-in mm -hmm. kind of humiliation factor. And uh, I, I think probably a couple of people might have said this to me, well, don't worry about that. Find your own voice. And that is really what I hold on to now. I know I don't play a lot of notes. And sometimes I wish that I could, you know, do that thing that, you know, I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I also go a little bit into jazz or fusion or whatever. I just never, my brain doesn't quite work that way. But... 
um, I have a capacity. I've found my own tone. Mm -hmm. you and really I can work around guitars and amps to, to amplify that tone, to do different things. But uh, in essence, there's a center that I found. Yeah. And to me, that's my gold, where I can lay that shame and humiliation down and go, hey, man, this is, wow. I, I don't think maybe a lot of people don't have this really deep, you know, because to me, each note is almost like a galaxy. Yeah, <laughs> it well, that's how I think everything. too. Yeah. yeah. And uh, when I play that one note and it's in the right place, it has the right tone, it mm -hmm. should take you to a galaxy, mm -hmm. is how I feel. And if it does, then my job is done, um, essentially. So I kind of take a lot of solace in that because it took a long time. Well, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, I, I am not able to put down that shame right now, but I am able to keep going mm -hmm. with it. You think, so with you it think as it's a, a woman thing or a girl thing? Because I kind of the role, attitude. I mean, I think it's a role model thing. Okay. I don't okay. know that it's essential to yeah. us as women. I think it's mm -hmm. a role model thing. I mean, I, um, I don't know. I'd be curious how it makes you feel when people say this, but I wish I'd known about you when I was learning to play mm -hmm. guitar. You would be someone who when I was learning to play guitar would have really helped me yeah. see right. this clarity and also being a woman and yeah. playing electric guitar. But, but I didn't, I didn't know, yeah. you know what I mean? And, um, uh, that that's what I think it is. I think it's a dearth mm -hmm. of role models. You know what? I'd have to agree with you. Cause I think to myself, if I'd only known about sister Rosetta Tharp, right. If I'd known about her, much less heard her. Right. I mean, She's got like five licks that ha had I known those licks, it would have saved me a lot of her time. Her playing is also very clear oh. and very simple. You know, it's and a, it's a lot of people borrowed. Absolutely. Her it's a different it's a different rhythmic language than yeah. I use, for example. It's kind of pre funk. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I it's like a pre funk like it's church funk. <laughs> yes, and it's like a, a pre funk like quarter note feel mm -hmm. um from mm -hmm. blues and from church, yeah. you know. But um, but her lines are so clean, and they I had really no idea. Yeah. I I didn't find out about her did know, did shamefully until did like did yeah, until kind of I bet I, I bet I only heard her for the first time seven or eight years ago, which right. is which is that's so wrong. It's, it's totally wrong. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't think it's inherent to to women. I in just in the sense of like I don't think like biologically like yeah. we're not capable. But I think we're kept away from a lot of the language and vernacular because we aren't told about it. Yeah. And we're not shown it at school and uh, it's not revealed to us that a lot of women opened up these doors and 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 went in, into these styles and men like Chuck Berry learned mm -hmm. from Sister Rosetta Tharp. Mm -hmm. I mean that is a fact. Well, and the illusion mm -hmm. is not working the other way. Like I never I mean I I did not see a woman playing Jimi Hendrix mm, when right. I was growing up. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't work the other way. Right. In that way that Chuck Berry <laughs> learned from a woman and then that woman gets erased. We don't see that the men stay. That's true. In these, in these things. Right. Um, and I wish that, yeah, I, I, I had other um, female role yeah, models for me when I was growing up that were important in other ways, um, but they were not... Um, uh, there was a, a painter named Paula Rose that I worked for. Uh, I worked for her for, for all of high school in her frame and art supply store. And oh. she was integral in me understanding that I could have a creative life. Oh, nice. And I also knew our friend Gay Dagbalola. 
She was mm-hmm. um, already successful in uh, Sapphire, the Uppity Blues yes. women, and they're from Fredericksburg. And I knew about her. Now, she was not a lead guitar player, so I wasn't getting that mm-hmm. from her. But mm-hmm. she was openly lesbian, and she was writing straightforward She's songs. a powerful woman. She's a very powerful yeah. woman. So I had those models for a creative life, but yeah. we're talking specifically about composition and guitars i didn't have those models yeah well uh, this what we're doing right now is part of changing that i hope so because <laughs> i, I want to talk to every woman yeah well pretty much every artist i know yeah. with whom i have some connection in which we can talk about these deep you know sort of what are the undercurrents that have informed our lives i also feel that um i give for for these reasons probably i i, I also give the guitar short shrift in my life I don't honor it enough and I don't honor my ability on it enough and I take it for granted as an instrument even that though it's a, it's a powerful instrument it's yeah. an incredibly powerful instrument yeah for well comp- you also play bass and drums I play and- lots of other things I yeah. compose yeah. things but but um but I I do have a special relationship with the guitar and I take it for granted and I do not put these days I don't put playing the guitar in the forefront of what I do, and it's talking to you, someone else who's a, you know, a, how do I even put this? Like a gigantic guitar player, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's making me think of like what a special instrument it is, yeah. and and how special it was to me at this time that we're talking about. If we're talking about when I was figuring out how to become yeah. a musician and yeah. figuring out what I wanted to do, it was only about the guitar. Yeah. Um, so when you say special relationship. Have you covered why that is special and what we've just said? Or is this, can you distill it down to a couple of sentences? Why, why well, special, special relationship? Because um, it allows me to be rhythmic mm-hmm. in a way yeah. that uh, is not so much for me, express the rhythm um, yeah. in a way that's much closer to my internal rhythm. It's still the, still the greatest expression of rhythm for me. Okay. I can definitely play, play the drums and play the bass and play the piano and, and put those things together into something that's a rhythm, but actually just as a self-contained instrument, yeah, I feel like the yeah. guitar expresses that best for me. And then just the fact of how long it's been in my life, just the companionship of it and, and the hours and hours and hours and hours so that easy, I spent with it. it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I spent hours yeah. and hours and hours with it. You yeah. know, it's like, um, so in that way, yeah, you have a real ease with a guitar, and I I love seeing that because whenever you pick a guitar up right away, just from your picking it up, like when you take it by the neck, I can tell it's swinging towards you, and it's got already a swagger. How special is that? And I never <laughs> really think about is. it. I never think about it. So right. this is helping me yeah. think about that instrument. So you said there were two uh, young men who, who were your boyfriends back in the day. Yeah. Who was the second one? The second one was the son of the painter. <laughs> oh, all right. And, and we, he did not have a band. Did he have a band? He did not have a band. But his brother was a, um, a bit later became a very famous slide guitar player, this guy named Jack Rose, who was in all these different, at the time I knew him, was in all these crazy like noise bands out of Richmond. Um, and then Jack eventually stepped into um, the shoes of like acoustic instrumental music and sort of became like the next generation of like a John Fahey or something like that. Oh. But, uh, That's the name I, I haven't heard in a long yeah, time. Yeah, so nice. so um, mm-hmm. so that was my other boyfriend's connection to music. But um, yeah, the one that I was in the band with, I was in that band for 
I would say like a year and a half. And then, um, that's a good length of time. That's yeah. a nice springboard. Right yeah. There. We played, we played shows and I was that fourth wheel, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, by the time I was a senior in high school, I was not in that band anymore. I think, I mean, we had broken up and so it was Didn't somebody tell me, did you mention to me one time that Dave Matthews was in your camp or you met him at Dave camps, Matthews or? was, um, uh, a local, a local musician in Charlottesville, which wasn't oh, okay. very far from where camp was. And most of my camp counselors were UVA or William and Mary students. And he was as a, he was a campus band at both of those places at that time. So they were learning Dave Matthews guitar parts. And then they were coming back to nature, really? to that nature then? camp and teaching me these oh. guitar parts. And Dave Matthews is a, a very underrated guitar player. Yeah. So tell me Dave Matthews guitar parts. What is that? They're what rhythmic. They are self-contained. He uses really extended chord situations. He has these really long hands. And so he would rather than playing a, a bar chord that looks like an E shape, he would extend it like across like five different frets. And then he had a really rhythmic right hand and he was playing, um, these acoustic electric hybrids, these Gibson Chet Atkins things, mm. which were the rage. At and the time. he was well known at the time. And he already? was well known in Virginia okay. and his guitar parts were really interesting, really rhythmic. Interesting. They used the whole guitar neck because that band had bass, drums, violin, saxophone, and acoustic guitar. So he was covering a huge amount of territory with these guitar So parts. his guitar style got famous or useful before his songs did. I mean, I think so. I mean, I, I that sounds fascinating. Yeah, they're to me. I love it, that. they're inextricable. His early guitar, uh-huh. his early songs have incredibly interesting guitar parts. His later music is much more produced in a way of mm-hmm. there would be extra instruments added and yeah. the guitar part might not be as important or interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but his early songs, his guitar parts are fascinating. You may or may not like the song. You yeah. might think he's, you know, um, no, of course I think he's whatever good. he is. Very influential. Extremely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for oh. me as well. Well, you have, you have a multiplicity of guitar sounds. I'm not even going to get into compositions. I will get into that in a bit, but You've got guitar sounds that are mellow yet jazzy in that way that you can dig in. You've also got that sound on, for example, Blackbirds, mm-hmm. which is yeah. tight and it's got, it's a through way mm-hmm. of sound. Mm-hmm. You have a through way you're going down and that's a specific sound that's, I kind of feel like it's yours. It, uh, the way that it sounds mine, yeah. in, in, in that song in particular, which is kind of, Sounds like it's, you've got finger picks. Do you have finger picks on? Um, I have, I stopped playing with a pick, gosh, by my first year of college. Isn't that interesting? I never noticed. Yeah, I never. I play with um, uh, fake fingernails on my right hand. So I'm using the soft part of my thumb and then fake fingernails on my second, third, and fourth fingers. And so that guitar part in Blackbirds is like, is like a thumb snap and a finger pull with a nail and a, and, and that's a, that's a, I mean, I think there are other people that do that, but I think, I do think that that combination of like a hollow body sound with that overdrive and that tight tone yeah. that kind of sings out, but is not sustained for miles. Well, it's you know, fluid it's, in a way that I really appreciate because I know how hard it is to contain that type of, uh, I mean, yeah. I don't want to call it distortion, but it right. is slightly, you know, it's but an it's, overdrive. It's, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's a, it's, um, uh, a pedal that someone built for me. Really? Yeah, totally. Oh, wait, tell us. Okay, so it's a it's a tube screamer, but then I sent it away to this 
guy in Arizona. I can't even remember who told me about Mm -hmm. this guy, but you send your tube screamer to him with $25 remember writing a check and sending sending my tube screamer off to this guy in Arizona. What is it about Arizona? I know. And then and then he did something to it and then he yeah. sent it back. Wow. And um and it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like a vintage tube screamer. It doesn't sound like the new tube screamer. It's just this thing and mm-hmm. um my pedal board was stolen in like 2003, 2004 and so then I got another tube screamer and sent it to him again. And that's the one I still have. And, and he has passed away and there's like his situation is not happening anymore. So, so that tube screamer is more valuable to me. I mean, I, I can listen, I want you to will that tube screamer to IMA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, it's like you're saying too, though, but like, you know, if mm-hmm. I, if I pick up any guitar here at IMA and yeah. plug it into any one of your amps, I can get close to that tone mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. because that tone is in your hands and in the way you dial up the amp as much as anything, but the very secret sauce that introduced me to that tone i would say is this particular tube screamer so that that helped me learn that sound and now i can find that sound did those licks happen because of that sound or had you already started they happened because that sound i couldn't tell you Mm. i'm trying to think of that song yeah i can't remember if i wrote that song on the acoustic guitar or the electric guitar okay i never write on the electric guitar i'm always no i have this old acoustic guitar that i've had Mm. since high school before high school. I got it when I was 13. And it's got the juju, huh? It's the guitar I've written on yeah. for years. And now I write on the computer and on the keyboard. But um, okay. up until maybe 10 years ago, I only wrote on this one acoustic guitar. Well, so all right. So you've got this kind of tubey, screamy thing. You've got the kind of jazzy thing. You've mm-hmm. also got that sort of chanteuse thing going on, <laughs> right? Yeah, where, right. Where, were you reborn straight from Paris to uh, Boston and Virginia? Because it's... It's a really interesting, and then you've got the pop stuff, you've got the rock. So is this, is this, uh, I I would say it's eclectic. Yes. But I like it all. Right. You know, plus how you craft an entire song around one vignette. I mean, I'm just going to throw out something crazy. A shadow fell across a wall. All right. It's an Aaron song. Right. (laughs) Can I get four minutes out of that? I probably could. You probably could, <laughs> you know? There's a whole story behind that. But I was thinking about this today because I was telling you before I came over, I was listening to Gay Dagbalola has a new CD, and I haven't mm-hmm. listened to her music in a long time. But um, she is a teacher and a mentor, and I was listening to her CD, and I was thinking about the range of things that are on that CD, which is lots of different kind of blues and lots of different rhythms, but all kind of contained in this like American umbrella, American roots music. And that's the music that I grew up with. And that's the music that was played by people I knew. I mean, yes, I did learn Beatles songs. Yes, there was these um, guitar influences in this band. But like if I went out to jam at a bar, which I did do in high school, it was this kind of American music and Mm -hmm. kind of a blues, roots, jazz thing and I think that's probably the biggest influence I was just thinking about that today like just the simple song structures so dependent on different rhythms and I think the chanteuse thing like sort of fits into that because you take any of those songs and you just sing them more slowly and then you get the chanteuse thing yeah but the melodic content is different oh yeah that's true I mean you know you don't when you think of blues you you don't think of the melody. No, you so can't. Much. You can't sing Edith Piaf over blues. I don't no. think. Yeah. Maybe maybe somebody could, but I, I, never I that doesn't it. come together. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where that. I don't know where that comes from. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. Well, where that I comes think from. it could be 
uh, rebirth karma thing. I'm 100% you into know, cause, that. Cause <laughs> Why it not? Seems, it seems really natural to you. I don't Thanks. ever feel like you're trying to pull something off. Like, don't I sound good <laughs> doing this? No, you know, I don't, no one would believe me if I, <laughs> I don't know. And then there's a Django Reinhardt quality to some of your guitar yeah. parts. So how did, did you study Django or that type of thing? When I went to college, um, you know, I had this foundation in, um, blues and American roots music and, mm -hmm. and the places where jazz intersects with that somewhat, mm -hmm. but I, I didn't. I didn't listen to jazz more than like, I'm trying to think what I would have listened to in high school that would have been jazz. Like I, I think I had like a best of Billie Holiday record mm. or something like that. I know I had a best of Sarah Vaughn that I got from the CD of the month mm. club, you know, but I was not, I did not know what jazz was and I did not know the history of jazz. And then I went to college and um, I was hanging out with kids who, you know, knew every lick of every John Coltrane song. And Wait, what were you studying in college? Were you studying music? I studied, um, I have a degree in ethnomusicology. So what does that mean? It means like anthropology of music. So not technical oh. music, but why people use music and how okay. people use music. It was a good name for my just curiosity as like, I'm not so interested in what song you wrote. I'm interested in the community that's built around your song and how you use that song. Mm -hmm. And like, who did you teach that song to and who'd you learn it from? So how is it useful? Yeah. How's it useful? Okay. And, and, and what is the people's relationship around it? So mm -hmm. in that sense, I, I had these friends in college who were super into jazz and I wasn't into learning every lick, but I was into the feeling and culture that surrounded it or why mm -hmm. jazz you know, was written and, and there was, um, that's where I first discovered or heard for the first time Django Reinhardt. Never, I don't think I heard Django Reinhardt in high school. I don't think I heard Vassar Clements fiddle player that played with him because yeah. because there was a record. I liked the grateful dead a lot in high school and there was a record called Olden in the way that was a, like <laughs> Jerry Garcia, David Grisman, mm. and then, um, Vassar Clements playing fiddle and he played a, like a, a Django style fiddle. Okay. I heard a little bit of that sort of like Stefan Grappelli type fiddle playing, but I didn't hear any of that till college. And I just, I don't know something about that swing rhythm. Yeah. It was like the piece, it you. was like the piece of American music that had been missing for you, for me. Yeah. That rhythm. I just didn't that encounter rhythm. that rhythm that much in high school. Yeah. Well, it's got a lot of gypsy in it. Yes. And, and if you're going to talk about gypsy, you're going to talk about all of Europe and going into India. Yeah from time immemorial right and then and that comes here and then it inter yeah. intercepts with blues and with exactly. musical theater and with tim Alley, and then you have like the next well, level of america of musical theater i feel like you naturally write for for that genre i mean you just wrote music for a play that ann and i actually i know went. you all came i appreciate <laughs> yeah, it on your birthday my 70th I birthday know, that so was that so was, special yeah. thank you so miss you like hell yeah so uh that could not have been too hard for you to write, right? It seems to me that that type of narration and the short form of telling a story and bam, with a certain style of music. I mean, I know I was touched by every single song. Mm. I mean, there were places where Anne and I started to cry, actually. Mm. So, you know, um, and it wasn't one style. No, it wasn't one style. And I, I was grateful for the permission that that project gave me to engage in all the styles that made me feel good. But I would say that whatever of it I might have been prepared for by my experience up to that point, it was still really difficult 
because I think of the extended timeline of it and the constant amount of rewriting. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I think like something that's been great about my experience with music up to this point has been that it's been so related to being live. Mm -hmm. You know, 85% of my time up to this point has been playing music in front of people. I, you know, Mm -hmm. I have a bunch of records, but because I don't have any money, those records get made quickly and they get made like every five years. You know what I mean? So like, I don't spend time in the studio. I wish I could, but I don't spend a lot of time doing that. I spend most of my time up to this point, like playing in front of people. So you play something and it's gone. You know what I mean? You never think about it again. You, you write your song and you play some version of it, but you're not rewriting it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that made me think of a show that I actually videoed that you did here at Pearl Street. And you had Allison, you had Allison Miller on drums, Mm -hmm. you had Julie um, on keys. Mm -hmm. Julie Um, Wolf. Julie Wolf. Who else would have been on that song? It was a slamming show, and I I do have it. Maybe I can show part of it in this. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Gosh, that was a long time ago, though. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so I come in from this world of where, like, you do something, and you don't have to do it again. You know what I mean? You just make it up each time, and you just let it go. Let it go. And Mm -hmm. that is spiritually more my style um and then with the musical it wasn't like that it was yeah you just rewriting rewriting grass grow under your feet musically no you're not allowed you're not allowed in that situation like there's got to be like you can't do something because it feels good it has to have like uh, it has to have an action that goes with it it has to have like a whole dramatic reason for it and sometimes i found that frustrating and sometimes i found that um a good lesson for me i mean i I think that would be the, the hardest part of it. It's like, oh, why, why can't we just like get up and like, why, why did we have to know how many bars that section is? Yeah. You know, because well, can't we just feel it? Yeah. And that doesn't work in theater. You need for technical reasons, but also for storytelling reasons, you need to. So did you out. study, you know, study theatrical songs to get, no. or was it already in you in a multiplicity of ways, or was it just natural to tell a story? Well, I think that. Um, I think I always like telling stories. Yeah. Um, I think the more successful songs in the musical are where I remembered I should tell a story. Um, and mm-hmm. I had, you know, of course I had a co-writer to, to be always with me in that pursuit of are we, what story are we telling? Are we telling it in the clearest way possible? Yeah. But I, you know, there was a class I took in college about musical theater, but I didn't take it for any reason other than like, this just seems interesting. Like it's just a curiosity and, um, I, I grew up with community musical theater, which is on a technical level, like not that great, <laughs> but I really liked it. And I liked the community part of it. And it was really fun, like senior class musical every year, like what seniors are going to get the lead role. And you sort of idolize the senior that's singing the title role or whatever it is. And like, well, how nice is that are you senior? on, the, are yeah. you on the same field hockey team as the <laughs> person that was the wicked witch of the West? And I was, and it was so exciting <laughs> to see, to know her from field hockey. But then also she was like the star of the senior class musical, you know, and like right. Dorothy in the senior class musical was also my secret Santa on the hockey team. You know, that was the biggest possible honor for really? me. It was like, yeah, it was so great, okay. you know, and like to have those older women in that way. And that's how musicals were in my life. They were not, how are these made? Am I ever going to write one? Well, you have so many fans. So since you were talking about your uh, ethnomusicology experience in, in college, how do you think that you've impacted your audience or audience says, I think you have several sets, ethnomusicologically? <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know the answer. I mean, to that. is that a question? Is that a bona fide question? It's know? a great question. I don't know that I. I don't know that. Um, I know an answer to that. I do know that I've been thinking recently about. Um, I'm sure you can relate to this. I have spent so much time over the years writing and rewriting the bio on my website. <laughs> right? You know, that is a form of the Bardos, I think. <laughs> right? <laughs> James, look out for the boy next door. Come knock, knock, knock End of part one. Copyright 2020 Institute for the Musical Arts. All rights James, reserved. Unauthorized copying, reproduction, broadcasting, or distribution of this podcast is prohibited.